0: That's a great song, isn't it? Wow, powerful song. Got a great message. Take your Bible. Turn over to the book of Psalm, chapter 127. Psalm, chapter 127. We're going to begin reading that chapter today. Psalm, chapter 127. Can you turn me up, please? Psalm 127. We're going to begin there in chapter 127, beginning verse 1. We're dealing with today, we're talking about and dealing with Uh, baby dedication today. And so we're going to address that today, and we're going to uh, consider where that comes from and how we can have arrived at that. I know that many would say, well, that transpired. It took place back at the Reformation uh, when uh, uh, many started coming out of the Catholic Church and began Protestant faith and religions. And when they began that Protestant faith, they said, well, we can't baptize babies because it's not scriptural So we'll dedicate children because we want something to to do to kind of offset that, if you will, to take the place of a baby baptism, but we don't want to call it that, and all of that. But I do believe there's a little bit more to it than just that. We see biblically and scripturally that dedicating children to the Lord has been something that's been going on a lot longer than the 1500s, okay? And so we're going to note that today just a little bit. So Psalm chapter 127, verse 1. Let's begin there, Psalm chapter 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children in, in, of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them; they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I've heard it said that everyone should have kids. They're the greatest joy in the world, but they're also terrorists. <laughs> you'll realize that you'll realize this extremely soon after they're born, and they, as they start using sleep deprivation to break you. Phyllis Diller said that cleaning your house while your kids are still growing up is like shoveling the sidewalk before it stops snowing. (laughs) That's about the truth, isn't it? I've heard one person said, save your voice calling for your kids. Just open a bag of chips and they'll materialize out of nowhere. (laughs) They said 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can lay down again. And I also heard it said that when I tell my kids I'll do something in a minute, what I'm really saying is please forget. (laughs) You know, when it comes to children, you know, they often kind of get a bad rap, you know? We speak quite, a lot of times it's somewhat of on a negative side, and even our little one-liners seem to indicate that a little bit. And if you're not careful, you may get the idea that having kids is all, a lot of work and no good at all. I mean, it's just rough. And sure, they're challenging, but the benefit certainly outweighs the drawbacks. And according to our passage in verse 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. It goes on to say in verse 5 that happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Now, we may joke about the utter insanity that children can bring into the home, and they can at times. I mean, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And if you've ever had to deal with nieces and nephews, you know exactly what we're saying, that they can bring utter insanity, and for good reason we say that. However, eh, that should only be a small part of the reality, really. Now, again, it's interesting to me in Psalm chapter 127 that he begins talking about the watchman. He talks about this person that's uh, trying to protect the city, and and he says that basically it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. He says, listen, I'm the one that brings the protection. I'm the one that that, that cares for and, and meets the need. I'm the one that's going to ensure that... that harm is, is, is evaded and, 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 uh, and you miss it, basically. Well, he then goes right into children. I guess that what I'm saying is, is that when we talk about children in a home, we can't talk about children in the home without talking about God in the home. Because he puts the two together, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And then later on he says, by the way, children are heritage of the Lord. So here's the thing. If you're trying to raise children without God in the home, my friend, you're, you're missing the most important element of all in your home. And that's what the Bible's trying to express to us. Now, as we move along here, I want to take a moment and I want to consider the idea of dedicating a child to the Lord. And we see a tremendous example of that in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, let's turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 1 today. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to begin reading a few verses here throughout chapter 1, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter or anything, but just pieces and parts, and you're welcome to go back at any time and read through the whole chapter, but we're going to try to piece it together to create what's really going on, to give us an overview of what has transpired and taken place in this chapter. Notice in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to read of a man by the name of Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. First mistake, big mistake. Penina and Hannah, he has two wives, okay? And uh, boy, Hannah wants a baby bad. I mean, she really, really wants a child. And she goes to the temple of God and she prays and she begs God for a child. Look in 1 Samuel 1, verse 10. The Bible says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore, Let me ask you a simple question. Has there ever been anything in the last year, six months, three months, that you so wanted that you were in bitterness of soul and you prayed to the Lord and you wept sore? Now listen, I say that because of this reason. I'm not convinced that we take our burdens to Christ the way Hannah did so often. I think we just kind of mention it in prayer. Lord, well, Lord, just do this for me. And Lord, do that. Lord, I need have needs. Lord, my family has needs. Lord, you're just going to to take care of us. Lord, it's up to you. Blah, 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 blah. And we don't really think about it. We don't fervently pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And in this passage, we have a woman who is fervently praying to God and begging God and weeping and crying and saying, God, I want a child. And look what the Bible says. It says, she goes on to say, if thou wilt, he said verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It was the Nazarite vow. And she was just saying, I'm going to give that child back to you. It's going to be all yours. If you give it to me, I'll give it to you. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 through 18, the Bible says, Then Eli, Eli was the priest in the temple. Then Eli answered and said, after hearing this request, and we know that at one point, if you know the story at all or the account, we know that it, she was so burdened down and she was moving her mouth even, and, and not, the words were not coming forth, and he's like, well, it's just someone's talking to herself, she's, she's got to be drunk, she's out of it. And Eli even goes to her and says, listen, man, don't dishonor the temple that way. Don't come to the temple drunk. What's your problem, woman? And she's like, I'm not drunk. Man, my heart is broken and I want a child. And then Eli answered and said, verse 17, go in peace. And the Lord of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmen find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Wow. Wait a second. You mean to tell me that she prayed and begged God for a child? And, and when the, the man of God said, Oh, you just go your way, it's going to be fine. She said, Okay, got it. It's gonna, I'm good to go. Uh, Let me have something to eat, I'm fine now. I I believe, I believe God's going to do a miracle. I believe God's going to answer my prayer. I believe, I believe, I believe to the point where I'm not going to be miserable anymore. I believe that I'm just going to go ahead and live my life right now and trust God in in the future to take care of that need. And her countenance was no more sad. She didn't run around going, man, woe is me. Oh, if I only had a child. Oh, if I only had a child. No, she said, that's all right, I put it in God's hands and I'm going to trust God now and I'm going to be finally Filled with happiness and joy because God's in control. When's the last time we prayed to God and we said, hey, however you want it to turn out, whatever you want is fine with me. I'm trusting you to answer my prayer. I'm trusting you to do exactly what I've asked. I know, God, you've heard me, and I know, God, you want to answer my petition. I know, God, that it's reached your throne room. Man, and I'm just going to go ahead and live my life now and trust you with it. Eli tells her that she's going to indeed receive this child, and I mean to tell you, he, she leaves believing. She leaves believing. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20, it goes on to say, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Isn't that great? I asked him of the Lord. You know what she's doing? She's giving God all the glory. Man, I asked for a child, and guess what? I got one. I'm sure that the theme said, man, I can't believe you're having a child now. Man, all those years, you were, we were weeping and upset about not having a kid. And all of a sudden, now you got a child. She said, oh, man, it's because I prayed to God. It's because I shared my heart with the Lord. It's because I brought my petition before the throne of grace. It's because God answered my prayers. It's all God. That's what she was saying. How often do we need to praise the Lord? How often do we need to give Him the credit? Sometimes our prayers are answered and we don't even remember asking. We've only asked it way back then instead of consistently praying. And then when He does answer the prayer, we're just like, well, I was working hard this week, so I got a little extra money in the paycheck. You mean God didn't answer your prayer and give you a little extra money that you needed to pay your bills? Man, we ought to be saying, no, I prayed, I begged to God, and He answered me. He gave me that overtime so I could get those bills paid. It was all God. He gave me the health to go to work. He gave me the ability to get the job done. He gave me the energy to follow through with that shift. I'm just saying we need to give God the glory. Amen. So the child comes as it was prayed for and prophesied. Notice verse 24 now. And when she had weaned him. Now in those days, they, uh, weaning has to do with breastfeeding, and they would breastfeed children sometimes up to two to six years of age. Can you imagine that, ladies? child hanging on to you up to six years of age. I'd be like, uh uh. And that's exactly the decision we've made now with bottles and stuff, you know. And by the way, you're gonna eat some anything but that, you know. So it's like six years old, forget it. But that wasn't uncommon in those days, though. That's how it worked, that's how it went down. They didn't have some of the modern conveniences that we had. They didn't have some of the opportunities that we now have as parents. No, they had to deal with what they had. And the truth was that God makes real provision for babies and children. Even up to the age of five and six years of age, they would wean children. And so now she has taken the time to feed her child and to care for her child and to meet the need of her child all those years. And now it's time to say, you know what? He can live on his own. He doesn't need to be attached to mama anymore. It's time for him to take a journey. It's time for him to be given back to God the way I promised. And so, after she had been done, she's done weaning him now off of the the, the milk. Now she's saying, It's time for you to go out into the world, young man. Can you imagine that? Probably your five or six year old, see ya, wouldn't wanna be ya. (laughs) And I doubt that's the attitude, of course. But nonetheless, Hannah then takes Samuel to the temple and presents him to the Lord there at the temple. I don't know about you, parents, but that'd be hard for me to do. I mean, wouldn't that be difficult? I mean, here you are, ma'am, you've been praying and begging God for a child all these years, and finally God gives you that child, and then about five years later or six years later, you're carrying him on, uh, walking him on down to to Jerusalem, down to the temple, and saying, okay, okay, Eli, here's my son. I promised to give him back to God, and here he is. He's going to serve the Lord here under your care now forever. I'll not see him unless I travel to see him. Come to see him. Well, I don't know about you. That would have been tough. But she made a promise. 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28 says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Hey, this is a marvelous picture of baby dedication. This is really what it's all about right there. Hannah presents her child to the Lord. Now listen, we may not be asked to hand over our child like that, but we are expected to present them back to God. See, when we dedicate a child, we're going to acknowledge a couple of things. And I want to share just three simple things that we acknowledge, and then we're going to go ahead and kind of wrap it up because we do have a lot to accomplish today yet as we are excited to showcase our babies around here. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like babies, are there? Hey, listen, in a church, you know what keeps a church living and alive? Baby Christians and baby babies. And sometimes the baby Christians and the adult Christians are baby babies. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever act like a baby since you've been an adult? Yes, we all have, haven't we? Okay, so anyway, don't talk to our wives, right, gentlemen? Do not ask our wives who's the biggest kid in the house. So anyway... This is a marvelous picture of baby dedication. And so let's consider uh, what it is when we dedicate a child, what we truly are saying, what we're acknowledging. So let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll move along. Father, again, I come to you thanking you for this time together with this wonderful group of people that have gathered. Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would move in our midst and, Lord, maybe we, we, we don't even have children yet. Maybe we, we've not been blessed in that way. But, Lord, the principles that we're going to learn and understand today apply to all of us somehow, some way. Be glorified now in our lives. And, Lord, may you just bless these families that are going to be presenting their children to the Lord today. And, Lord, may you just uh, meet their needs and continue to bless their children even in life. We love you. We need you now in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, when we dedicate a child, we acknowledge a couple things. Number one, our child is the Savior's. Our child is the Savior's, or he's God's. In Psalm chapter 127, verse 3, we read it earlier, it says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We obviously see from the passage that children come from God. They're a gift from God. We notice that uh, in, in Psalm chapter 127. So children are from the Lord. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I mean, it sounds to me like children then are being given from heaven to, to, to earth, God giving them to you and I, and he's saying to us that they are a reward, if you will, they are a blessing, they're a gift from heaven. They're really the Savior's he he gives them to us but then not only that but number 2 what we're we're acknowledging is not only that our children uh, our child is the saviors but we're simply stewards then we're stewards of that gift turn to first chronicles chapter 28 please again it's it's not a complicated concept at all it's pretty simple and it's very basic but but First of all, we recognize that our child is, a, is, is the Savior's, it's, it's God's, it's really His. But we, but we are stewards of that child, that God has entrusted something. Notice what it says in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 1. We're going to define this term steward. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, as you're turning to 1 Chronicles 28, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful? Why faithful? Why is it so important that stewards be found faithful? Because when we define steward, we realize that what it means is very important. Notice in First Chronicles 28.1, And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds. Watch this. And the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men under Jerusalem. So he has this group of people or that he calls stewards Notice what their responsibility is. The stewards are over all the substance and possession of the king. Okay, so what is a steward? A steward obviously is somebody then that oversees or manages the substance and the possession of the king. Okay, that's what it is. Now, wait a second. In light of who, in what we're addressing today, we're talking about the fact that the king of all the universe has entrusted then a child into the hands of a parent today and says, you are a steward of that child. That child is mine, and I extend them to you. I, I, I share them with you, and, and I entrust them to your care, and I'm asking you to manage them, and I'm asking you to oversee them, On my behalf, I'm not on earth to do that job. You're on earth, and I now give them to you from heaven to your arms, and I asked you to manage them, and I asked you to oversee them in my absence. I'm the king, and I want you to do that on my behalf. So our children are heaven-sent treasures from God, and he has entrusted them into our watch care. He wants us, again, to manage and to oversee them in His absence. Our children are on loan from God. And that's what we learn from the Word of God. You say, yeah, but they're my kids. Well, they are yours in the sense that God has entrusted you with their well-being and their care, but they are truly God's gift to you. See, when we dedicate a child we're acknowledging a few things. One, that our child is the Savior's. Number two, that we are simply stewards. And finally, number three, that the foundation for successful parenting is found in the Scriptures. Remember that this child is a gift from God. It is His possession that He entrusts into your care you are to oversee and you are to manage that child so if they're mine on loan from god if they're i'm simply a steward of what is god's then i better figure out what god wants for them because they're not mine to do with as i please i'm simply overseeing them. I'm simply managing his property and possessions. They're mine only on loan from God. So I need to do with them as God pleases. And where do I find that at? I find that in the Word of God. I want you to take your Bible, turn over to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're not going to get into all the details, obviously, of what God wants. But let me explain to you this foundation. We find the foundation for successful parenting in the Scripture. And may I say that it is going to re- we're going to recognize that the Scriptures are the foundation. We don't have time to get into all the specifics of what God desires and has designed. But what we are going to note is that this book is the foundation for all successful parenting. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. Again, God is addressing and dealing with His people. And in this particular time in history, He's addressing and dealing with the Jewish people and Israel. But we are God's people today. We know that we are. We don't replace Israel, but we are indeed God's people. We're God's people as a result of the new birth. We're the children of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says then, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. I think it's very important to focus our attention quickly on that, second, uh, that third phrase. First phrase and these words, second, which I command thee this day, watch this, shall be in thine heart. Can I tell you if the word of God is not in your heart, you will never be able to do what the Bible now says is necessary to be a good steward of your children. You can't do it. It'll be impossible. If the Word of God is not a priority, it is not an important part of your daily walk, routine, and life, if it's not something that you have truly placed in your heart, then you're going to have a very hard time transmitting it to your child as a steward unto God. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here it is now, this thought associated with what has just been said, colon there, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. What? Those things that are in your heart. You want to know why children love football? Because usually dad, and even maybe mom, loves football. They learn to love what you love. It's in your heart. I mean, who in the world would want Michigan to win the national championship if you're an Ohio person? <laughs> Go Cincinnati. <laughs> Why, that was in our hearts. We were bred that way. Now, my, my son is an anomaly. We are Browns fans in my house. But I have a son who somehow got hooked up with Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> that's called free thinking. <laughs> now that's unusual, but the truth is, this is what is in dad's heart. But wait, whoa, hold on, it does go back to the fact that he loves football, why? Because dad loves football. And you know, mom loves football too. It goes right back to that, because what's in our heart is what will ultimately be shared and given to our children. It's what will become a priority and important to them. If work is what I live for, then my children will grow up to believe that work is what's most important. If sports are the most important thing in my life, then they'll grow up believing that sports are what's important. But if the Word of God is in my heart and I share it with them and it becomes part of my life and then... Inserted into theirs consistently and continually, then it will also bring forth fruit in their life. Notice, and thou shalt teach them those things that are in thine heart diligently unto thy children, not just in passing, not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits into the schedule, but diligently, he says. Diligently. When you first started seeing that girl or that guy that you ultimately fell in love with and married, you diligently sought to see them and to spend time with them and to be with them. And then as the years wax on, you may find yourself growing a little cold and insensitive, and pretty soon they're like, you don't seem like you ever want to be with me. That's a bad place to be in a marriage, by the way. You've got that starting to creep in. You might want to talk to your pastor. Before they say, be, that's by. That's Greek for (laughs) by. But you know what? Your heart. So important here in this passage. Notice again, he says, (laughs) diligently unto thy children. You're going to really, really put forth effort. You're going to allow it to affect your, your, your schedule. You're going to allow it to affect your passion. It's going to be, this is important. You've got to hear these truths. You've got to know these truths. You've got to walk in these truths. And shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. First of all, we notice in verse 7, that everywhere you go, the Word of God seems to be a priority and preced- a precedent in your life. Man, you're waking up going, praise God, glory to God, for God so loved the world. Amen. You're going through the days talking about, isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? Look how he's meeting my every need. Oh Lord, thank you so much. And as you sit down to dinner, you're praying, oh God, thank you for the blessings that we now will receive at thy hand. Oh God, thank you. And then we turn around in the evenings. And before we go to bed, children, let's gather together and pray. Oh God, thank you for... another day of health and thank you for the prosperity and the successes you've given us we give you the glory because you deserve it all all day long morning, noon, night and even in between we're talking about the word of God we might be quoting some scripture memorizing the word we're telling the children about what God has done along the way and how God continues to prove himself over and over and over again But notice this in verse eight, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as a fontlet between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. He says it's not enough that you're just talking about them. You gotta let them be out there, let them be visible. Man, you should walk into a house. There should probably be some scripture hanging up somewhere. There's got to be something that points to Christ. There needs to be things in the house. There should be a Bible sitting somewhere close where maybe you just happen to read every day. Or you got your little room and sure enough, there it is. And the children walk by the room, they look in. There's mama's Bible. There's Dad's Bible. Man, look at there's their there's, there's prayer request sheets. Oh man. I mean, things that remind them of the Scriptures constantly. And the Word of God will be there. When a young man... How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Man, did you get that, young man? And boy, we're having family devotions, and we're talking about the Scriptures, and we're reading the Bible, and we're doing things as a family so that God is elevated, magnified, and exalted in our home. See, that's the real foundation for successful parenting. Why? Because they're not mine already. They're not going to do as well getting my instruction because they're not mine to begin with. I'm simply a steward. I've got to bend them in God's way because God has more of a desire for them to succeed than I could ever even imagine. And not only that, but they're really His and He wants to see them walking in His way because that's how a human being is made fulfilled and satisfied in life when they're living for Jesus Christ and operating in the Spirit as God intended. The truth is is that our money will never replace God. The truth is no relationship can replace God. The truth is, is that no career can replace God. God stands alone and every child needs him, number one in their life. And that begins in the home with mom and dad. So when we dedicate our children to the Lord, (laughs) it's simple. Our child, we recognize the fact that our child is the Savior's. We recognize that we're simply stewards and we recognize that the foundation for successful parenting is found in the scriptures. Today I've brought a baby with me. It's so warm and cuddly. This child is so plump. He's a chunky baby. Don't laugh. (laughs) How soft his skin is. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a lot of hair for a baby. Come on up, Daniel. Here's what happens. It's not complicated. It's not hard to see or imagine. Stand right here, would you please? There you go. Face the crowd. There you go. This is how it works, okay? Our children are God's. They're His. They're, they're a reward. They're a blessing that He hands down to us. Remember, we're simply stewards, right? We manage. We, we oversee them. And so here's how it works. It's real simple. God gives us the child, hands it to us. We hold that baby in our arms. But it's not really our baby, it's his. And so when the time comes, we say, wait, this child, just like Hannah did, this child is really a blessing from God, an answer of prayer. This is truly a blessing from the heavenlies. This is not my child. It's God's child. I know where he came from. I recognize that it wasn't just me and my husband. This was about God blessing us as a home, a family. And this child, although we will care for it and oversee it and take care of it, the truth is it's God's. And so today, I'm going to symbolically, mind you, because we're not going to do like Hannah did Because the pastor does not want to deal with your children. (laughs) So, symbolically, we are going to give back that which God has given to us and say, I dedicate that child to you. I give that child back to you, God, because you gave him to me. And I'm so undeserving of such a blessing and a reward, but I give him back to you and I will be a good steward of that child. He's really yours. And that is exactly what baby dedication is. It's giving back to God what is His and saying, I will raise that child according to your word. I will do that which you would do if you were here to raise that child. I will raise that child the way you would have. Not the way I will. Not my philosophy. Not my ideology. Not my beliefs. Not my feelings. But I'm going to raise it according to your word because you're the one who is truly... He's your child. She's your child. And I'm I'm a steward of that child. And so I'm going to do my best to honor you and raise that child as you would have if you were literally on earth today raising it yourself. Now, we just symbolically hand the child back to him because when we walk out of the room today, we'll still have our baby. But the question is, who will you raise your child for? You or him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, make no mistake here. This is serious business. What we see in our world today, in our culture today, is a direct result of parents raising their children in their own wisdom, not the wisdom of God. Choosing to do things the way they believe is most convenient and profitable for their child. We see where that leads. If you were in Sunday school this morning, in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, we see where neglecting God in our lives, our homes, and our relationship leads. Boy, I want my child to experience the greatest blessings of all. Those are blessings that come from God. I'm simply a steward, and so are you today. And today, as our parents make their way forward, they're literally symbolically saying, Thank you, thank you Lord for giving me this child to oversee, to care for in your absence but I give him back to you I give her back to you today thank you so much I'm going to raise them as you would raise them if you were here to do it well I tell you what if we'll do that we'll be amazed what God will do with our children and what he'll do in our homes and lives thank you brother today maybe you don't Maybe you don't even have a child today. Maybe you've never been blessed with a child. And you know what? Uh, God blesses in so many different ways. But here's the truth. Whether or not you have a child to dedicate to the Lord or not today, you have yourself. See, you're simply on loan to this world too. You are God's property. Whether you believe it or not, you are. And the truth is, the Bible says that we as believers, or we as people, created beings, need to recognize him as our God and our creator. And then we come to Christ as our Savior, and the Bible says in Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, except one of God, which is your reasonable service. God's saying, listen, you are there, and every good thing in your life is a direct result of me and my impact in it. You need to present yourself to me. Oh, with the child, we say, oh, that's easy. It's very symbolic. We see it in Hannah, and we see her giving her child back to God. And yeah, but what about you and I? The health that we have, the abilities we have, the mind that we've been given, the opportunities that that avail us, all of that is from God. And we need to say, Lord, I'm yours, and I give myself back to you, who deserves all. I'm yours. I present myself to you today, and I dedicate my life, my all to you from this day forward. Boy, we need to dedicate ourselves. And as we said earlier, until we do that, dedicating our child is really going to be kind of a going through the motions thing. Did you hear what I said? It's got to be in our heart because what we love will then be passed down to our children. Dedicate yourself, mom and dad. Dedicate yourself, believer, to the Lord. And then all those you come in contact with will reap the benefit of that. You will leave a legacy of faith if you will dedicate yourself to the Lord and present yourself to Him today. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time that we've had together and we ask Lord that you'd be with us Lord in these next few minutes as we take the time Lord to recognize and to highlight our children Lord we're excited about that Lord they represent so much potential for you and they represent so much help that needs needed in this world today I pray dear God that you'd be with every parent and may we recognize the fact that father that child is really yours and that we are simply stewards and that the foundation is truly the scriptures and we must emphasize them and make them a prioritize, a prioritize them in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you just be with the believer today, that they themselves would recognize the need to dedicate themselves to Christ, to surrender or to present themselves to Jesus today wholeheartedly, giving their whole being, their best they know how, to Christ, holding nothing back. May we dedicate ourselves to you today as we even take time to dedicate the children in these next few moments. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed.